Welcome back to another episode of the Forever Game Podcast. And um, we, we've, we've, uh, we've increased the average IQ of the recording here because <laughs> we've added, you know, what do you mean? I'm on a downward trend. I think you're probably quality? stable. Are you talking quality? No, the intelligent quotient. We added, we added a financial advisor to mm-hmm. the recording today. Yeah. And so. Um, <laughs> Our first. First one. Yeah. First one. First and only, mm. Craig. First and only. <laughs> Great company um, then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we have Craig on. Uh, we've worked with Craig a little bit on rebranding. And um, uh, James, how's your how's your last month or so been of, uh, of work, of golf, of all of those things? What? It's been fabulous. How many times have you golfed? I think I'm on four. Okay. I've, I'm on two. Craig? Yeah, I'm feeding you. She's ahead of me. I've, well, I played two full rounds. When you say full round, is 18. that 18? 18 holes. Okay. Yeah. And then I uh, got five holes in one Saturday morning before we decided it was too wet. Got it. And, oh, I got a nine in the Thursday we got the storms. Okay. So I got I got stuck at the Oaks. When the, oh, I hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So you have 33 holes in, 32. Yeah. Well, no, 36 plus nine. 45. I've probably played 50 holes. Oh, okay. Got it. I'm at 18 holes. I've only played 18 total. You're behind. I'm behind. You're behind. But Which I'm is st- why you're going to lose all of these I'm Pro still V1s. riding my early spring, like, nice, easy swing, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Early in the spring, you have this, like, kind of nice, easy swing where you play well. The touch isn't there in the short game yet, mm-hmm. you know? But as soon as that comes, I'll start tweaking things from the tee box and it'll just collapse. Start swinging faster. Like I can do better. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? 320 to carry the water. I got this. Watch anyway. This. Anyway. All right. So we have Craig pop on Craig. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do right now and where you guys are located in that stuff. Start with our location. We're over on Highway 12 yeah, across from Stacy's Nursery. I, I don't know if the building has a name. It's it's an office building. Uh-huh. Um, been there for two years now. It's the Accru Wealth Building. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, I, would call, I call it the Greater <laughs> Minnesota Family Services because I believe okay. they own it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, yeah. I got it. But, oh, so there's a great story here because I'm not from Wilmer. So, you know, when, when, when people from the area talk, it's always... Oh, if you live on Green Lake, are you by so and so's house? And of course, if you don't, <laughs> never lands. If you for don't me. know so and so, yeah. <laughs> so our our office building it, it goes by two names. It's either the Kuzman Building, got it, because yes. they built it, mm-hmm. or the old gas station. Because apparently, back in the day, <laughs> it was Eastgate Gas Station, I believe. Okay. Right? You're probably right because yeah. I think the building used to be called Eastgate something, something or other or another. Uh, my key says. EG on it, the one that gets me in the building. Oh, there my you go. mom used to work at that gas station way Classic. back when I was born, and we lived in right those in those duplex townhome uh, apartment buildings that you used yep, to live I in, lived in there. just south of your building. Mm-hmm. And they used to have a pool that was part of that community. So you, they filled it in since, but um, but yeah, I grew up I grew up right there. Or was something new today? Uh huh. So financial advisor. I like to use my my Twitter profile as far as what I do. Investor, blogger, CFA charter holder, avid reader and writer. Those Got are it. that's the summary of Craig Pop. That's the summary of <laughs> of what I do. 
or right. who I am. That right. would be interesting exercise for for us to do. You get six words or less. You have a you have to describe yourself. Yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, basically, you those were all nouns. I'm assuming. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. or verbs mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and yeah, you anyway. do that on your LinkedIn. Do I? Yeah. Oh. I I think. Oh, Whatever. I never One check LinkedIn. In. I'll get- have to go. I'll have to go check that out. <laughs> Remember that app? Yeah. I just, I just saw something crazy this week. So there, it was a, a webinar about technology. And so the car took 30 years or something like that for 80% of the population to have one. And then the TV was 20 years or something like that. And the smartphone was 12. Just a crazy statistic. Facebook to get to a billion users was, let's call it like three years or something like that. Wow. TikTok, which I'm not on, I know nothing about. Three months to get to a half billion users. Mm-hmm. Granted, they had a bit of a cheat code because they started as musically. Okay. And so they had some organic growth there mm-hmm. amongst like middle school age okay. and then some asian countries and they got bought and became TikTok. and then when they right? rebranded and came out as TikTok, um yeah then it was oh, i mean there were a okay. lot of people that already had it yeah so i don't know when they were measuring that probably yeah but um but i did is important i did see <laughs> though that TikTok had more minutes viewed than pretty much every mainstream service you can think of combined Wow. So Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, all, add all of them together. And in last year in 2021, um, TikTok had more minutes viewed than all of those combined. Hmm. And everybody's staring at their Apple device while viewing or right. uh, any other device. Whatever, it is pretty but. crazy to think that because some people count the smartphones beginning as kind of the BlackBerry era. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be like 2004. 2005. Um, I mean, I I think of the smartphone, I guess, with the all touch screen, which would have been um, the <laughs> iPhone. Mm-hmm. And that was 2007. Yeah. Not that long. I, I mean, we're only 15 years removed from that. And the first iPad came out in 2010, I think. You know, it's pretty wild. That saturation went quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Technology is, th- there's some people out there who say we're going through kind of the, second industrial revolution but it's not industry it's technology Mm -hmm. just think ones and zeros yep think about all the markets that exist today where consumers can spend their money that didn't exist 15 years ago Mm -hmm. because the iphone did not launch with the app store that came later yeah and mm -hmm. and do we think meta is going to have a similar effect on their vr platform ar platform Is that going to be a whole new avenue where we can go and and spend money? Because humans have shown in the last few years that spending money on digital assets that you can't physically touch, they're very, very comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. I was was at our national conference last week and they actually did a, a VR booth. So... I have a picture of myself with it. It was pretty crazy. So you, you went and stood in front of kind of like a picture thing, you know, the, yeah. the green background, but it was white and they, they filmed you, I guess would be the word for it. But then your hologram showed up in this booth that was 10 feet next to you. And they actually took the picture of that 
And oh man, I, I've, I've got it on my off show too. This seems yeah. interesting. It's it was super. Is it cool. three dimensional or is it on a? It's three dimensional. Yeah. If you saw the picture, well, when I show it to you, you it'll look like it was me getting the picture, or them taking the. Where picture did they of place me. you? <laughs> Did they place you into a cool, like, no, another you world? Just, well, you, well, they had, they had, I forgot, they made it, it was like a magazine cover is what oh, it okay. ended up being, but it was focused on the conference. So I forgot what, yeah. it, it wasn't Rolling Stones, it was like, I don't know, but it was technology Ink focused. magazine so. or okay. something. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. And were there That's multiple weird. cameras around you or was it a rotating camera? No, I really, it almost, I stood in front of this white background and it looked like just a couple of, of cameras. I okay. think they said for 75000 you can get your own. <laughs> Tyler's like, how do I do that? Okay, well, let's move on to the wealth building portion of your, <laughs> uh, of your career. Okay. Uh, you talked a little bit about where you are. Mm-hmm. And you gave yourself some titles and single words. <laughs> what would you say you do now? I mean, we know your title, but what, uh, what do you do every day? <laughs> we primarily work with business owners and their families, helping them manage their wealth. There's that, That's not our only client base, as we've said on some other videos that we've done. We, yeah. we also, business owners is a key focus. We also have some corporate retirement plans or 401ks. And then people who want to be disciplined about building wealth and saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's a wide array of, that could be anybody. Yep. But when we meet with a prospect and start asking them questions, it's maybe not everybody because some people don't necessarily want to have the discipline to right. make the sacrifices that are required mm-hmm. to do that stuff. And so you would say in your business, I was going to mention this earlier. I heard a phrase, this is probably six months ago. Um, when you're starting a business or really starting anything new that's service-based is you say yes until you can say no. And then you only say yes to the people that would never tell you no. I like that. And so it seems like you're at that spot where, where you can now, people can walk in and you feel comfortable saying, we're not a good fit. You should, here are some good options that might fit you, not us. Mm-hmm. But then you also like working with people that would probably call you up and say, whatever you say, Craig, is good enough for me. Yeah, those, uh, one of the, the, one of the things we see in the industry a lot is people or advisors will determine their client by putting a number on their net worth. So if you don't have X amount of dollars, then yeah. you, you can't work with us. Yeah. And we try to stay away from that because I it, it probably leads you to working with people that maybe you don't enjoy working with. Mm-hmm. So we might find somebody that doesn't fit our criteria because of that. If if you're depending upon your age, right? That sure. You haven't done what's necessary to be disciplined and we just don't think you will either. So then you're probably not a fit for us from that yep. perspective, but it could be somebody who's just graduating college and they recognize that saving for retirement is important and they want some help. 
Define discipline for me. (laughs) It starts with saving. You got to be willing to, to make the sacrifices as far as savings. The two mistakes people make when it comes to saving for retirement is they don't start early enough and they generally don't take enough risk. Got it. And so the Mm. saving part is on them. You need to general rule of thumb, get to 10% of your income. If you can do that, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. Not everybody can start out there. So uh, 10% of your income, explain that a little bit more. Well, so let's just say you work for whatever company in 1017 Media. (laughs) (laughs) You're a creative at 1017 Media and you make $100,000. Yeah. So, well, and and we say the 10 is kind of a combination. So if you're part of a company that has a retirement plan and let's just say they're putting in 3%, well, then you need seven. Yeah. Got it. There it gets to the 10. Okay. And And that's annual, which then would translate to monthly. Yep. And when you say savings, are you talking about specifically um, taking money out to uh, that you are handling yourself as the individual to put in a savings account? Or are you talking about like auto withdrawals from your paychecks that are going into whether it's an IRA or what? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's investing. Yeah. So my favorite quote is... I believe it's credited to Einstein that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Right. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. Got it. I remember that when we were talking about your rebranding, Craig. Mm-hmm. And somehow your the crew came into the picture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that process. So, a person that is a fan of discipline. And watching financial markets. Um, and then you have these two, well, primarily one, sort of hippie-ish 20-year-old coming in to help you name your business. <laughs> How the hell does that happen? As far as finding the hippie 20-year-old? To- yeah. I get to claim that title for one I don't know year. if it's hippie, but like... <laughs> what the hell? Certainly not disciplined financial. That's not the popsicle flavor I'm tasting when it comes to you. It goes back to just meeting people. Yeah. So I, when I moved here in, in 2016, I had a, a couple of friends that lived in the area, but I, I didn't really know a lot of people. And then from a, as a business owner and someone who wants to grow their business, you want to get out and meet people. Right. So I started doing the One Million Cups, and I, I don't even remember. I actually think it was a client who, who told me about it, and that's where I met Jamie. Yep. And kind of fast forward to 2020 when I knew this was, this was something that I wanted to do is the, the rebrand, and I'm also a big believer in working local when you can. So I, my first, there you, there's lots of national companies that you could find that would help sure. you with this and whatever. But I wanted to start local if I could and mm-hmm. just sent her an email and said, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And I, I know at that time it was maybe a little bit different than what your core business is. Sure. But 
sounded like fun to you, I guess. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's fun. We, we determine how much fun we think work's going to be based on the people we're doing it for. Yep. Is that fair? Yeah, no doubt. It makes a huge difference. So that's a compliment to you. For Appreciate sure. that. Um, Can you backtrack just a little bit, like talk about the decision and the context of, I want to rebrand this business yeah so how you came to that decision we're not going to say any names but basically you you worked for a very nation like nationally known um financial company Mm -hmm. yeah as a as an independent rep as an independent contractor so most most entities that operate through the channel that i still do today you wouldn't know that they're associated with that firm because they've chosen to Mm -hmm. pick their own their own brand anyway. Yes. And I wanted to do that mainly because, well, I think as a business owner, it's fun to have, it doesn't have to be your name on the door as in your name name. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's still my name, right? Because it's your your fingerprint. Because we picked it. Yeah. Yeah. Your identity. And and so that was enticing. And then I, I also felt that it would, further display that we are independent so nobody tells us how to run our business we obviously have to stay within the regulatory framework and Mm -hmm. that's what the large entity is for uh and then as far as the name how did we get to the name we've talked about this which there's generally three things you see and all you need to do is pay attention when you drive and you'll see it is one it's the person's name which is very Common, very popular. The second, if it's a group of people, is it's a combination of their names or initials or whatever. Right. And then the third is the route that we went, which was a name that has meaning. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really where we wanted to end up in the beginning anyway, because the, the my predecessor has been in the business for 30 years in the Wilmer area. And... Giving it my name when it was probably predominantly built by him wasn't... Didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. It didn't make any sense. And it caps your upside a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I also think, too, with having just a name that has meaning, we can start looking forward another 20 years. Right. And somebody else is going to assume the name who carries the same values and beliefs that... I do that Eric did yeah, mm-hmm. exactly live mm-hmm. forever. Yep. So you, you send the email and when you get a response or let's say we kind of, have, should we work together? Should we not? We're over the courting stage. So we'll skip ahead a little <laughs> bit. Courting stage over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get a list of potential names from us, from Jamie and she does this thing where she goes, here are the options. Oh, by the way, this one I like the most. <laughs> she guides us mm-hmm. <laughs> with not so subtle hints. Did you know right away? Was it an emotional decision that this is the name, this is the feel? Or was it more, you know, because you, you're a pretty cerebral person. Um, I can, you know, did you weigh the pros and cons of each? Did you have a collection of people that you talked to? And the reason I want to string this out a little bit is so many people struggle with the name. Like it's Mm -hmm. like, it's the end all be all. If I make the wrong choice, this thing is dead. And 
It's different for someone starting a brand new business that's probably listening to this. They don't have much to risk. You had more to risk because this mm-hmm. is established. Right, right. And, and you're going to have a transition period where you have to let your current clients know of this change, why the change, all of that. But when you got the list, take us from there. It, it probably was so obvious. I don't even remember some of the other names that we came up with. That being said... I, much like in investing, you don't want to make emotional decisions. Right. So talked to my wife about it. We actually engaged a number of clients. Here's what we're trying to do. What do you think? And it it was, it was, I was probably in agreement that day, but wanted to make sure that. You weren't crazy. Weren't crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That resonated with other people resonated that have been a part people. of your business in kind of a variety of ways mm-hmm. yep. over the last few years. We, we probably spent, there was probably more dilemma on the logo than the name. Mm-hmm. The logos were, you had some different opinions there. Really? Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Was it four of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so was there, was, there was four logos. And of the four, there was one that consistently was just, it scored near the bottom. It's not that people didn't like it, but they looked at the others. Sure. And then there was kind of two that got ranked in the top for the most part. And I don't even remember how we kind of decided between the two of them. I I think it was more so the feedback that I got from the individuals like, okay, you know, this one, this one, that one. And then what do you like about them? And um, it was sort of almost community vote. Yeah, which is a cool way to do it because then when those specific individuals you talk to see that you picked the one they liked, they they're invested. They were part of the process. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Creating that buy-in is is valuable. And it's it looks sharp. It kind of fits. It I think it fits us from a looks very crisp and clean and clean and professional, but it also has kind of a, a little bit of a trendy look to it and mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily the trendiest person but sure maybe got a little bit of that so it we were great. driving back was it from hutchinson i don't know where we were i want to say we were in the cities but we were definitely could be. we were coming in from highway 12 yeah. yeah it could have been from the cities i don't i don't recall but anyway we were just coming into wilmer and she's like you know we gotta we gotta pick some options for craig all right well read him to us you know like read him to me and we'll discuss them and you like read a couple and she does the thing. Oh, there's like this one. <laughs> oh, and this one. And then we have a crew, you know, and she kind of <laughs> says it like that. And, and, uh, she sold me and then like, I like that. And I was like, I like that. Let's just write it phonetically. What do you think about that? And then that's all we did mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she did 99.99% of all the work. And then you get to hang it on the door. And I get to say 1017 to the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I get to play it on the course. Yes. <laughs> and Craig, for those of us, for those of us listening at home and not watching the video, Craig brought us Titleist Pro V1 golf balls with, I'm assuming the rest of the case for each of us is somewhere in your bag. And then, uh, let me know when you lose. <laughs> sounds good. And it has the logo on it, which was, how does it feel for you oh, for so having help helping it's do that? It's the most fun thing. Yeah. Always getting like tangible materials and golf balls are at the top of the list <laughs> sure. is, is always fun. It's 
I think it's the best part. All right. So transitioning a little bit. Well, one comment no, no, no. Oh, great. I, I think a good testament to just the, the quality of the work is I, I work with, a for the lazy term as a coach, but it's more so on practice management and business development. And literally one day I'd sent him an email about something and he called me, called me back and, and he said, you know, I got your email and I was just looking at your name and your logo. And he's like, it's so sharp. It looks so good. And here's a gentleman that probably works with 30, 40 other advisors. And I think for him to see it and it was an unprompted compliment. Yeah. Right? And so I, that was probably, and that was shortly after we did the launch. And that was a pretty good testament of, I think I made the right decision. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. Craig was like, score one for us. You were re <laughs> kind of like reaffirmed and cemented in your, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, we, uh, that was the next thing I was actually going to bring up is. Yeah, we want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, is how did you know that you wanted to find someone to help you with the working on the business, not just in the business? Yeah, I'm curious to hear about the business coach decision. How long that's been a part of the picture. I'm a big believer in staying in your lane. <laughs> So what are you good at? And, yeah. And if it's not, finding other people. And I, I've i really been a quote-unquote advisor since 2016. I've been in the industry for 20 years, but most of my previous experience was kind of analytical research-oriented stuff, which sure. I can geek out on for hours and hours. So much like the, the rebranding, I... I knew it wasn't something that I could complete on my own. We're, we're busy as well. So if you can't, do I want to make the time to do that and, and sacrifice other stuff? I really didn't want to. With the business coach, it's, it's more so, again, of finding someone who has the experience. There's a little bit of a network effect there, right? Because he sees other stuff. Yep. So it's a sharing of ideas and it's, the goal is really about improving. I'm a believer in life is constant learning. And there's multiple ways to learn, right? You can learn through, I guess, the classic. You go take a class or whatever. You can learn through podcasting. Consuming media. Consuming media. Or you can kind of hire somebody to help you. Yeah. Direct, like, one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. mentorship style. Yep. Was that decision along the same time frame of like your business transition? You kind of taking, you know, I even started that in, I think it was March of 21. Okay. And we spent a lot of time trying to, we did two things. One was sort of improving upon what we currently do, process efficiencies practice management, mm -hmm. we call it. And then the other one was really kind of in conjunction with our work is telling your story. And now we've kind of moved past that into more of the business development. Got it. But once again, it all gets back to the conversation we had earlier about making sure it's the right people, right individual. Mm -hmm. Did you have a narrow, did you have the, the laser focus you currently have on business owners as your ideal client 
prior to working with the business coach or was that a product of that process? It was a, a product of the process because one of the things that you do is sometimes you don't define who you work with. It's already been defined. Sure, sure. So we went through an exercise of let's look at our client base today. And it a, a large number are business owners, and we put farmers in that camp. They're business mm-hmm. owners. Definitely. And then some of our retired clients were business owners. Yeah. So there was that aspect of it. And then I also just really enjoy working with those people and having those conversations probably as a, a business owner myself. Sure. So mm-hmm. maybe this week's a good example. I messaged one of them on Tuesday and just, I know he's got a 40 minute commute between his home and his, and his, and his work. And I said, you, you know, if you get some free time, buzz me on your way home. I just curious to want to catch up, see how things are going in the business I also use it as a gauge of part of our research process. Sure. What are we hearing from mm-hmm. business owners as far as the economy and stuff goes? So what is a what are some blind spots or some way other than the actual service that your business performs? What are some other ways that you help maybe that you help business owners or that what are some blind spots that business owners have generally when it comes to, and maybe not your clients because you're servicing them in this way, but <laughs> that you, you see in the industry as for entrepreneurs, business owners that they just, they don't do well or a blind spot that they're not acting on when it comes to like their financial future or things mm-hmm. like that. From a business perspective, working on the business versus working in the business is something that, we see quite a bit of sure where you as a business owner should should you be on the production floor maybe you know, your employees certainly would appreciate it if they see yeah. you willing to get next to them and, and get your hands dirty per se but you can't make that your full-time job because then you're not doing the things that that's an expensive line worker you're mm-hmm. paying i think the same thing with myself where I need to make sure that I don't spend too much time doing certain things that just shouldn't take that time or maybe somebody else should do so I can focus. There's a, for me, it's I might spend a couple hours a month on running the business, the nuts and bolts. Sure. And then the business development side, I try to allocate time to that, but taking care of your current clients too is it's kind of that maybe gets trumped. Yeah. But that's where, again, hiring people to do certain things where you can, can make time for that. So a lot, a lot of times on, on just on the business, not in the business. The other thing that I think is extremely important, especially today's age is the number of business owners who are in their sixties that maybe don't have a transition plan is enormous and you want to, th- you don't want to be thinking about that when you wake up one morning and say, I want to sell or I want to get out. Yeah. You should start planning for that years before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've had a couple transitions over the last handful of years and I think they've, 
they've all gone great. We don't necessarily, that's not necessarily our role or anything that we work on, but it gets back to the people. So developing a network of... And so it's your job to ask them that question when they're 50 or 55, and that's maybe your role is encouraging that thought process. Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Well, we're helping them, we're helping them plan for the eventual retirement from a saving for retirement perspective. Right. But part of your retirement nest egg is that business. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a large part of it. And, and so you need to be thinking about it and then you need to understand what's my business worth. Yep. And you also need to understand that if your business is worth a million dollars, you're not getting a million dollars when it's all said and done. Cause unfortunately uncle Sam's a partner with you in that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when we do retirement planning for business owners, we put the business in there. Okay. What's it worth? Yep. And how are you going to transition it? And that's part of your re- retirement plan. But for most of the people we work with, it's, it's not the only thing and it gives them great flexibility too. Um, there's also the part of as a business owner. So I grew up on a farm. Farmers are notorious. They hate paying taxes. <laughs> and, and the, the, the classic way that they don't pay taxes is when they have a good year. I, I shouldn't say they avoid paying taxes, right? Cause you know, that's, that's not how things They work. maybe delay it. They, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they never want to give the government more than they should or more than they're entitled to. Uh, so we have a great year farming and then we decide that our taxes would be too high. So we go buy some new equipment, Yep, which depreciates over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the January 5th, brand new truck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So instead let's put some money into a retirement plan because that's a tax deduction as well. And uh, if we do our job right, that'll grow for you over time versus the tractor. You're depreciating that, asset. Yeah. yeah. Now we understand you need equipment to yep. run your farm or your business, but um, it's just another tool in the toolbox for, sure. the, mm-hmm. for the business owners. And then when you, you get to that stage in the game, you have something other than your business and it maybe gives you some flexibility too, in regard to waiting for what is the right person to come in and, and purchase your business from you. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, personally for myself, transitioning from a school setting, hyper-corporate, essentially a pension job, to something that is, but also extremely painfully rigid, um, both in terms of like income potential and just daily working life, Yeah, to something complete opposite of the spectrum over here where can pretty much do whatever Everything you want wide open in a and sense. make your own rules. Uh, that was something that, you know, with my financial advisor, he was like, are you sure you want to give up that job? And I was like, well, yes, I am. You know, but you know, you have a pension, you'll essentially have a pension and all this stuff and it's great benefits. And I'm like, ah, do I want to be working poor? Cause that's what most teachers are is working poor for three more decades. Um, with the hope of having a conservative and comfortable retirement or would I rather um, remove the floor of that safety and then also remove the ceiling Mm -hmm. as well. And yeah, it comes down to risk tolerance, I think for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
So for me, it was, we were having those conversations now is, is your plan's going to have to change when you fully leave teaching at the end of next year. Um, And it's a little bit scary, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of some of the better operators from a business perspective, I also believe are they're great clients because they understand that I'm running my business and I need somebody else to help run this part of things for me. Sure. And uh, they to say they get out of your way is not the right term. To give you permission to do what's best for them. They give you permission to do what's best for because them. Because there's trust there. Yeah, they, they just got other things to worry about. Yeah. yeah. And focus on. Mm-hmm. Similar to us, as soon as we have a client or someone that says, whatever you think, Tyler, that's, yeah, whatever you think, let's do that. Whatever you think, Jamie, let's do that. Whatever you think, Craig, let's do that. That's when you know that you've got a, you've got a good relationship with that client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, along those lines, we're also big believers in empowerment and education. So the other thing we we really like doing is educating our clients about investing to whatever degree that they want. Some right. have no interest, and that's okay. Others will. Well, what does this mean? What is that? Yeah, and we. Our communication with our clients is really designed to their preference. It's one of the things that we ask them is how often do you want us to communicate with you and through what form? Sure. And some we drip on every week and others it's not that often because that's not what they want. Yeah. Does it change based on the age of the client, generally speaking? The method of delivery changes based upon the, perhaps the age of the client, although you there's a lot of people who are older that have really embraced technology as well. Sure. But what I find more of is the, the, the younger generation, they don't necessarily, the, the traditional, traditional meeting in our industry is every year you come in and you sit down for a formal meeting. And part of that is regulatory, but it's just very common. And some of the, the younger generation is sort of like, well, you know, if I need something, I'm just emailing you and then you're responding. And so in the last six months, we've communicated 12 times, mm-hmm. whether it was a phone call or an email, why do I need to come in and sit down with you? Yeah. And part of it is, well, the government says you have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mistakes were made by other people. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how about in regards to what's happening with our current <laughs> economy and um, situations that you're now working with your clients to prepare them best or advise them into, okay, something might be... Easy to communicate with clients when things are going well yeah, and everything's trending up. How, how do you handle the relationship when there's a potential not speak, speaking specifically to what's happening right now, but there's potential for uncertainty. Um, how does that change? The legwork's really done before it happens. Yeah. So we have a plan and we stick to it. It's challenging. So there's a, to get a little geeky, some, your fight or, fight or flight response is one of the worst things for you from as an investing pers- perspective. So, 
you feel loss is twice as powerful as gains. So when we get in these environments, it's, it's challenging. What we always go back to is we constructed a plan for you. And part of our plan includes stress testing environments where where the market declines. And so this isn't anything that's outside of the plan. This was a when, not an if. Yeah. 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 And we just, we need to stick with it from that perspective the the other side of it is trying to con- construct portfolios that we we don't make a lot of changes but we try to make the right ones at the right time and we obviously evaluate and so right now it's a lot of doing nothing per se from a from a portfolio construction perspective there's a lot of little changes that 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 happen along the way we're Warren Buffett made a comment i i saw this on twitter that the stock market is the one of the best mechanisms that moves money from impatient people to patient people <laughs> <laughs> sure that makes sense and so it, it the biggest thing we're trying to do is communicate that and this isn't really anything out of the ordinary so to, just to give you some statistics is generally speaking a five percent market decline which we're way past at this point three times a year, 10% is generally at least once a year. Before this year, we hadn't had one since 2020. Mm-hmm. And well, then the 20% declines, which we haven't quite gotten there yet, is about every three years. So, there's a market correction. Yeah. yeah. So we had one in 2020. It was very short-lived. And we'll see what, what today brings. We're also big believers in uh, everybody... Everybody sees a recession once it's here. Right? Oh, I predicted that, but yeah. they're they're very difficult to to predict. So we're not we're not big believers in trying to make predictions. We're believers in using probabilities to decide upon what we do. So what's the what's the state of the world today? And let's make some assumptions on what could happen and what do we think are the probabilities of each. Sure. And then we make decisions. We make decisions accordingly, and we're we're data driven. So, I sort of despise financial television because you'll see stocks in turmoil on a day when it, when it's really not that bad. And and where they really trick people is is points are not percentages. Got it. So, twenty years ago when the Dow Jones industrial average was up or down 700 points, that was a big deal. Today, it's really not because the sheer number is larger. Yeah. So if 700 points is, I'll get this math wrong, but it's maybe one, one and a half percent. I mean, sure. We get small. We get 50 of those a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not out of the ordinary they're but it, they're playing to emotion well you know um fear gets clicks clicks sells advertising right right so you're like okay you obviously said you despise financial television get it what do you then tell your clients like to pay attention to like if you're gonna watch one thing to con- to stay just in the know um for your business or your you know personal benefit mm-hmm. what do you tell them to just keep an eye on the stuff from us. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it for you. Just watch her. Well, yeah. and that's why we try to push a lot of stuff 
out to clients. It's it's easier for the ones who are they have email or they mm-hmm. they maybe social media. We're doing with with your help. We're doing a lot of stuff on social media, mm-hmm. and so we we try to use we try to use that. Uh, I'm also I'll blindly emails. Well, I shouldn't say blindly, but you know your clients and so if I read something and I think so and so would really kind of benefit or enjoy reading this I'll just kick it out to them and mm-hmm. maybe put a few comments on there it takes a lot of time sure but that's the service we're kind of striving for yeah that's yeah. of huge value mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit about the content development that you guys do or the content creation that you guys do I do believe that every person has a tendency or an area of comfort when it comes to the, the mode of their communication, the mode of the, or the medium of the content that they naturally would produce if in a vacuum. And yours is obviously writing. Mm-hmm. It's one and, of his descriptors. He's a blogger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you leverage that, that just general interest to help your business communication? And then what do you do to offset the, the stuff that you don't enjoy? That's a good question. Yeah. I, well, and I think from what I, I'm kind of believing we're me personally, we're, we're going to go through a transition as it relates to that mode of communication, because I like the video that we're doing. It's somewhat easier too, because it's like blogging. You've got thoughts in your head, you've collected data and now you need to put it on paper mm-hmm. and that takes time. <laughs> Especially when you, I always, I always like to say I'm a, I'm a recovering crappy writer. <laughs> so my, my ability to write and communicate, I didn't, it, it wasn't great. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time trying to improve upon that. And one of the best things I did in grad school was actually take a communications class on persuasive business writing. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> now I'm almost too particular Sure. About so like uh, keeping keeping bullets parallel, and what does that mean? It's like okay, if you start it with a verb, everyone should start with a verb. Got you it. Start with a noun. Everyone. Should. Yeah. So my writing writing takes a lot of time for me. In video, you're doing the same thing, but you're just doing this, and and then the great thing I've learned is you say something. Oh well, I, that's not actually what I wanted to say, so I say it again, and then <laughs> you guys do your thing and. Mm-hmm. put it together nicely sew it together so sew to speak yeah. yeah so i'm i'm hopeful that that we can do more video as time goes on the the biggest difference is probably there's maybe the time factor i could decide on something today to write and it could be there tomorrow yep mm-hmm. versus video where you you know, it's maybe a little bit more challenging to, to turn it around that fast, but maybe you get to the point where you don't care about the editing and you just, yeah. just tell yep. it. Yeah. Now, one of the things w- that I've really harped on is um, speed, 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 just like you did a million writing reps, a million. So that, and now you've almost come to the, what I would call like an artisan stage mm-hmm. where you've, you were re- probably, there was a, there was a, a cross section where you were, very efficient, um, or you could type out a lot, you could handle a lot of capacity, but then also your skill was high enough where you didn't have to redo a lot. So you were very efficient. Now you've almost sounds like you trained, you've kind of moved to that 
artisan stage where it takes a professional pot, you know, pottery person three days to make a bowl because it's so amazing. <laughs> and it takes you maybe that lo- longer to craft a writing piece because you're so your particular and, and, and um, I would say skilled at it that you have a high standard. The same thing happens here where we, we've done so many reps that we've gotten very efficient in our workflow. And now we're almost getting to a stage where we're very, very efficient at cranking it out, but now our standards keep going up. So now we're adding you know, solar flare to you know video. Yeah. We're adding special Fancy graphics effects. to videos and it ends up slowing us down. And then I think it just comes down to, you just got to pick your flavor and stick to it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you either have to, I don't want to say lower your standard, but pick an appropriate standard for your frequency. And if your frequency is too high, um, or maybe your standards too high that you can't meet your frequency, then you just got to decide one of those things. Which has one to are, is more important. And mm-hmm. we pull on the same levers that most people do, which is, um, turnaround time, quality and price. And those things are going to balance out. So if you wanted something super highly produced and you want it tomorrow, well, it's going to be really expensive, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and and whether it's expensive in time for yourself, if you're doing it yourself, or if you're outsourcing it expensive in terms of dollars. And, and I think everyone has to find that, that balance for themselves when it comes to content creation, because content creation is a skill now and is a, is a, it's a requirement to play the game mm-hmm. in 2022 and beyond. Mm-hmm. And, and I still think people are wrapping their heads around that. Agreed. And we're like <coughs> trying yep. to find ways to help they're coming to terms with that fact and then they're like well now what the hell do we do Mm -hmm. you know if this is the way of the world now what do we do yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i've i think i've noticed myself too is to help with that is once you learn the process that you go through you get better at delivering it, which hopefully makes your job easier as well right definitely maybe a little bit better level of comfortability yeah. 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 The bottom line for us is when we go and shoot someone, the more comfortable they are, the faster the turnaround will be. Mm-hmm. Even with Ted, it was different with him. We had to leave the room mm-hmm. and I got that sense immediately. I was like, this is how I am. I was like, Ted, when I do it in front of people and they're off camera looking at me, I, I, it's just, I can't focus yeah. on just the person I'm talking through to through the camera lens. And so I was like, you know what? Let's leave. And we stepped out and even Jennifer said, as soon as you guys left the room, he was instantly more comfortable. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm probably the opposite. I want somebody yeah. to be there. You were like, I'm trying to talk to a person. Can there just be a person <laughs> yeah, in here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Storytelling. And Absorb. I, I need somebody to tell that story. You need too. a feedback loop. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that is interesting. All right. So final question, Craig. Um, what is if everything in your business happens like to the dream, um, to the nth degree, whatever the dream is, what does that look like towards the end of your career? The planner gets asked about the plan. It's funny you say that because it's very easy to neglect yourself when you're busy helping other people. I've, I've found that to be the case of, I need to do this for myself and and I haven't done it yet. (laughs) 
I'm not sure I got an answer for you. I have sure. more, I think I have more of an intermediate term goal around sort of branding and brand recognition. Got it. What, what I'm hopeful for and what we're striving for is to the name to associate with the people. Mm -hmm. And and it's new at this point, so I'm not sure there's a lot of that. But we're working on it. And we'll, what I'm hopeful for is when when they hear the name, when when people hear the name through whatever medium it is, that yep, that's Craig, yep, or that's Craig and Tad, or it's Craig and whoever is there. It's it's always going to be me, sure. And whoever else is going to be depending upon the, the the business development we. We, we probably, I, I don't really envision us it, it, from a size perspective. You you can, there's offices that are just one person. They call them a solo practitioner. We're, we're two today. We maybe should be on our way to two and a half, getting somebody to help on the administrative side of things. Do I see us being 10 or 12? No, it's really just not. We kind of want to... When you're 10 or 12, there's going to be clients that you don't know because somebody yeah. else is taking care of them. And yeah. one of the things I found greatest enjoyment with, which was actually my biggest worry, is working with pe people directly. Before I, in my previous role, I was simply making investment decisions. I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. to you didn't have the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And and I I probably enjoy those the most from that perspective, connecting with people is it's just been really enjoyable. There's some some downtimes of it as well because you you get to see the ups and downs of of every family. Yeah, you know, spouses I mean, passing. Sure, you see the celebrations, people graduating high school, college, whatever it yep. may be. You're along for the ride. You're along for the ride, and and I'm really amazed at how much I like that, or I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty special place mm -hmm. role to have. I think I got to come back in like five or 10 years to tell you what the end is because we're, when we went through this, this transition, I, I always would say, even from a business practice management perspective, you first, you crawl and then you walk and then you run and we're, we're definitely walking and maybe we're starting to jog, sure, but we're not necessarily running yet. Cause it's, got it's it. still pretty new. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you can come back on and share mm -hmm. with us the updates mm -hmm. every now and then. That'd Maybe be fun. we'll be at episode like, we're at, this is like episode 105. Yeah. Maybe in, in five years part. we'll be at episode like 115. <laughs> we've, been, we've been slowing down a little 105. bit 105. Yeah. So do you have a, well, content creation, there's a good example. What's, what's your goal to do, right? You know, is it, I, I would, I think of social media and I'm always trying to put something out there once a week. Yep. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that I created, but it's whether sure. I read this and I found it interesting. Yeah. Maybe we yep. created it, whatever. It Your brand be. is voicing something on a consist that yeah. consistent. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm more successful than I'm, than not, but it, I don't think I didn't do anything. I don't think I did anything last week. Sure. <laughs> Part of it was I wasn't around, yep. but um, this week, I don't know if I've done anything this week either. Got it. Uh, so, um, um, but then I'll go a week where it'll be two or three things too, because sure. mm -hmm. some of it is the flow at which content comes to you. Yeah. Uh, for example, if we look at the current market environment, 
the narrative hasn't changed. Yeah. So what I told people two weeks ago still stands. Still stands. There's yeah. There's not really anything new to tell at this point. Mm-hmm. When it is, we'll tell it. But yep. and maybe we do some reiterating of it, but there's just not much different to tell it. So, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And it might be all summer. Sure. We'll see.